The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uri here, and we are recording directly after the end of the San Antonio win. So before we get into that, Uri had some pretty good luck today, and I just want to congratulate him. We're not going to get into too much of it, but it was uh, making some good sports decisions right Uriah yeah yeah appreciate it did some parlays and uh, uh Chris will we'll get you in the clubhouse meeting one day but Lucas and I we were watching the game together with some guys from our clubhouse group Sixers talk and just just uh, just a good day for sports fans especially for me especially um, for people that don't like Tom Brady either yeah I think <laughs> hey real quick do you guys think he's gonna retire this year ooh ooh Ooh, that's a good one. I, I don't say, think so. I don't I think so. No. I don't I say th- no. I think he is. I don't he think more to prove. I, I think he needs to win one more yeah. before. I th- I think how many how many does he have? Seven, eight. He how has m- seven. He has seven. But I I think he he thinks that he can play till fifty. I don't think he's playing around with that. I I I, I think he wants to get ten rings. I, I mean, he's he might win MVP, so it's not like he's underperforming or anything. No, that that loss was not on him. Um, it was not. No, that was just kind of, kind of bad clock management slash Cooper Cup is amazing. But enough about football. We need to get into this Sixers win over the Spurs. Yeah, let's do it. Um, Joel Embiid, thirty-eight points, twelve rebounds, six assists, only one turnover in thirty-one minutes. Uh, continues to do. Pretty absurd stuff. It was a 115-109 road win for the Sixers. Bouncing back from that loss to the Clippers that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Um, 18 for Tyrese Maxey with six assists. 17 for Furkan. 18 and 11 for Tobias, who had a pretty strong game too. Um, it was a, a one of Charlie Brown's better nights uh, for you, Lucas, which I'm yeah. sure, sure was very exciting. It um, is. What were... <laughs> yes! All of it. Charlie Brown. You're good, man, Charlie Brown. 
Which is the which is also the name of a play. But this anyway, is, this is the extended version of class. Wow, wow, Charlie Brown deserves it though. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, Lucas, what were some of your big takeaways? Uh, it's clear. Okay, so let me get my Charlie Brown stuff out of the way, so we don't have to <laughs> touch on it anymore tonight. Um, because he did not do well in the other game, which we'll talk about. But um. He has clearly taken over, while Matisse Thibault's been out, he's been clearly taking over his duties as best wing defender. And I I think he's been doing pretty good. And I said this in the clubhouse when Uriah, I think you were muted or you weren't there, but basically he's given you about 70% of what Thibault's giving you on defense, which is still pretty good, I think. And offensively, he's probably already close to what Thibault is, maybe even a little better depending on who you talk to. Um, he's a 44% three-point shooter in G League. I'm, I, I I think that will eventually translate here. But that's enough about Charlie Brown. He's a good man. Um, let's go ahead and get into the other guys. This was a, this game shouldn't have been this close. The Sixers were leading by double, double digits for most of this game. Sixers did not have that, you know, put your foot on the pedal type of mentality again here in the fourth quarter. They, like, never uh, have that mentality, though, Lucas. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And that's what we're missing. And hopefully maybe a Simmons trade can fix that. But that's probably – it's going to take a while. But, you know, good – solid game from Tobias. Not great, but not bad. Um, Maxi had a solid game. Kind of wish – kind of wish we could see more Maxi. He had a bad turnover towards the end. And he had four turnovers, which is, like, one of the worst turnover games for him this season. But – he was playing against DeJounte Murray, who is one of the better, you know, point guard defenders in the league. So I'm not too surprised by that. Um, and then Joel, he's, you know, what? Um, I think Stephen A. Smith said it best. He is the front runner for the MVP right now. And this is just, he had 38 points in 32 minutes. And the thing is, usually he gets most of those points by free throws. He only attempted six free throws tonight, guys. He had 38 points on 32 shots on 50% shooting. I, I have nothing for that, guys. Like, he, he's a monster. And, I mean, granted, he let let, let Yaka Pirtle go off, but Yaka Pirtle will have a game every once in a while where he has, scores like a half a 20 and 10 game. So, I mean, it is what it is. You deal with it. You move on. Yeah. I mean, Joel is, is – playing out of his mind right now um there's really not any other way to phrase it um he's just seeing the game better than he ever has he's like one step ahead of the defense which for long stretches of his career has really never been the case um you know that there's that like pass to Furkan that wrap around out of the post that's mm-hmm. that's just not something Joel used to be able to do so six assists 38 points again he's had 50, 40, and 38 his last three games. He scored 30 in like 10 of his last 11 or something like that. So pretty absurd stretch. I would say he probably is a lot of people's MVP favorite at this point. Um, There really aren't too many competitors um, who are playing at his level right now. So, um, you know, and Jakob Pertl is a really good defender. Um, Mm -hmm. Like he, he got a couple of Joel's shots pretty easily too. Yeah, so really impressive stuff from Joel. Maxi had a really strong night, I thought. Furkan had a really good night. This was a yeah. good Furkan game. He looks really good as like that second unit ball handler. I 
we'll see what happens once Shake returns, but I I think they should let Furkan get more of those reps even once Shake gets back. Um, but like you said, probably shouldn't have been this close, but we say that about every game the Sixers play against lesser opponents at this point. Um, we'll talk about the Clippers game. <laughs> shouldn't have been like that, but um, yeah, it, Joel's might win MVP, which is fun. And like you said, the Clippers were able to somehow edge out the Sixers. Now, the Sixers are a couple guys down too, but there's no excuse. The Clippers were without both of their superstars in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Yet, for some reason, the starting lineup of Reggie Jackson, Amir Coffey, Ivic Zubac, Marcus Morris, and Nicholas Batum were able to beat the Sixers starting five. Joel had a 40-piece in there, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, 5 turnovers, but, you know, you live with it. Maxi had a solid game, 19 and 8. Tobias had a 20 and 7 game, but Chris, it looked like everybody else was kind of, you know, horrendous in that game. Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty classic example of, like, Joel versus the world, which is very often the case with these games. Um doesn't have a lot of help right now. Like you said, Harrison Maxey put up some numbers, but outside of that, it was pretty, pretty rough. Um, and it wasn't really Tobias's best game or Tyrese's best game. Even Joel, you know, five turnovers. It wasn't his quote-unquote best game, but he, he had 40 points. He set a very high bar for himself. Um, and, you know, been trade, not a been trade, whatever. It would be really nice to get him some more capable players um, to play with at the trade deadline. I, I think we would all hope and pray that that happens. Um, the Clippers are a really resilient and deep and well-coached team. They deserve a lot of credit, but you can't be blowing 24-point leads to that team without Kawhi and Paul George on the floor. It's an unacceptable loss. We're, we're pretty used to unacceptable losses with the Sixers. Um, it, it has been a specialty of this team in the past, so it's not like the most surprising thing that's ever happened. But it's not a great look, and it, you know, it's just another example of why they should probably make a bend trade if there's anything half decent, half reasonable out there. Yeah, you talked about the twenty-four point blown lead, and um, that's going to bring me to my next point here, Chris. After the game, Doc Rivers was asked by, I believe it, who was it? It was. Um, was it Harrison? Was it Harrison Grimm that asked the question? Basically, one of the reporters asked him um, if it was the coaching that was part of the uh, reason why the Sixers lost. Um, uh, you know, how much of it was on the coaching? And Doc basically snapped. Um, Doc said, would you ask Pop, uh, Greg Popovich, of course, would you ask Pop that set, that question? No, you wouldn't. So don't ask me that question. I've earned that. So Chris, is Doc out of touch after the the comment that he made ab- where he brought up Greg Popovich? Um, I mean, like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's just not a good look. I like. I'm sure Pop has been asked that question before. Frankly, if I had to guess or some variation of it, I, I don't think it's like a rude question coaches make mistakes the same as players um doc rivers has i mean the Sixers blow a lot of leads and injuries or not 
that that's been a pretty frequent issue for this team. And I think it's fair to ask Doc if he feels he could have done anything differently while his team like gave up a 24 point lead to one of the most undermanned teams in the NBA right now. Um, I, I seems like a reasonable question. I don't think it doesn't seem like it was put in like a mean or condescending way. And he, I get it. You're frustrated after that kind of loss. It happens. Um, I'm not going to like bash him too hard for it, but Doc is not Greg Popovich. He, he has a championship that was like well over a decade ago. The Sixers have a pattern of this, a history, a recent history of doing stuff like this. So I think it's a pretty fair question to ask. Doc Rivers, Revere coach, probably a top 20 coach of all time. I would say you can argue top 10. Um, and wins alone for sure, obviously. But um, he's not Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich has been with the same organization since the '90s. He's won five championships with them. Arguably a top five coach, top three coach of all time, I would say. And I, probably the only two that I would say for sure is better than Greg Popovich would be Red Auerbach and uh, Phil Jackson, that I can think of anyway. And Greg, you know, he would be asked that question, and Greg would probably give him like a smart aleck response. And the difference is, is that Greg's earned that clout in San Antonio. Doc has not done nearly enough, especially in Philadelphia, to earn that type of clout to where he could give a smart aleck response back. And he didn't even get a smart aleck response back here. He just was rude. And like, I get that you're, and like, I get the pressures of having like an incomplete roster, having an all star that doesn't want to play, getting all these questions about it all the time, having injuries on top of that. Like, I get the pressures of that. And maybe that, that just caused him to snap here. But this isn't the first time that Doc hasn't been this most friendly, friendly with the Sixers media either. I remember one time, and I forgot who it was, they were doing a video uh, conference call, and Doc saw one of the reporters and, um, pajamas and made a big deal about it his bedside manner with the uh with the media recently has kind of rubbed me the wrong way i don't know yeah i, I think that's fair um let, let's talk a bit now about bradley beal though um the report out of washington is that bradley beal is not going to sign an extension um by the extension deadline this year which means he's about to be a free agent, Lucas. Um, what do we make of this? And do we think that there's a real chance he leaves this summer? Um, I mean, there's always a chance that he leaves. I don't know the likelihood. I, if you ask me to put a percentage on it, I couldn't tell you. But the fact that you don't know for certain that he's going to stay either should be giving Washington like the heebie-jeebies. And if I'm Daryl Morey, I'm calling Tommy Shepard, the GM. Uh, well, actually, no, he got a promotion. Now he's the president of basketball operations in Washington. But um, I'd be calling Tommy Shepard every single day to put plant, you know, to grow that little seed of doubt inside of his head to be like, hey, you know what? If you don't know if Beal's going to stay, we could take Beal. You can have Simmons. You can. You already have a roster pretty much made for Simmons' style of play already. You just plug Simmons in, you know, you might have to figure out the center rotation slightly, but it's not that big of a deal. Um, you can fix that in one offseason, honestly. The Sixers should definitely be trying to get plant those seeds of doubt inside of Washington. Because if I remember correctly, they're not like a top seed in the East. They're, what are they in the play-in right now? Yeah. 
I think they're, uh, give me a second here, I'm looking it up. They're tied for the Knicks. The Knicks could easily jump ahead of them. So could the, the Atlanta Hawks. Okay, so it's not like they're safe from not yeah. being bounced out. Yeah. And if so, things go south, it could go south very quickly. I agree. Um, the context here, of course, is that Beal has a $36.4 million player's option for next season. And he's probably going to decline. Um, he could make more money re-upping in the summer versus now. So it's pretty – it was expected either way. I would say they wasn't going to sign this extension right now. Yeah. But he has made some semi-cryptic comments in the past about being selfish for the first time. He's at, at the very least going to ask for the most money he possibly can, which he has earned. But, again, like you said, Washington could very well miss the playoffs this season. They've fallen off pretty hard after a hot start to the year. He doesn't really have – a true co-star right now that that roster has been kind of stuck in the mud for a while there's i mean kaku's must not bad path. but yeah 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 there's just really not a clear path to them getting a whole lot better it doesn't feel like so unless they mortgage their future which that worked out so well last time for them when they tried to build around john wall just saying yeah so i mean there certainly seems to be some level of risk that he leaves this year um Lucas, if they ask at the deadline for Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, and Matisse Thibel, would would you make that trade? Oh, gosh. If it was just Ben and Thibel and whatever amount of picks they want, sure, no problem. But Maxey makes this deal very hard for me. Because first off, if you trade Maxey, you don't have a point guard. Who are you going to start, Shake, or is Beal going to be your point guard? No. It's not a good option there. They already have a point guard in Spencer uh, Dinwiddie, too. So there's that. Um, I, If I could negotiate Maxi out of that deal, and I would literally give everybody else besides Joel Embiid and Maxi in that deal, I, I would. But if Maxi's the deal breaker, I don't know. Maybe I wait until the summer, see if you can do a sign and trade then. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of on the same page. I think Maxi's the big hangup there. Because um, if like you trade Maxi, then you don't really have much to work with. Yeah, if it's been Maxi Thibel and like no picks, if it's just that, then I could probably get behind it. But if you're giving up like two, three first round picks on top of that, that's that's, that's a much. whole lot. Beal has underperformed relative to what we're accustomed to from him this season. I'm I'm Does still pretty slight... confident that he's like going to be okay. He's yeah. he's still really good, but. Does have an injury history too, not ben, recent, but yeah. Ben Ben is a twenty five year old all star with four years on his contract. One of the best defenders in the league. Like I, I think Ben should and still stuff. have some pretty significant value in the league. Maxi's mm-hmm. kicking butt right now, so that's I, a lot, especially yeah. for a guy who could leave in the summer still, even mm-hmm. if he gets traded to Philly. So I'd a want to make sure that he'd like resign. He'd have to give some level of a commitment there. Yeah. Um, But I mean, we, we were all very confident when Jimmy was traded here that he was going to resign the summer and look what happened. So you never can really be sure. The front Uh, office messed that up, but yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. But I mean, who says this front office doesn't mess it up? Any any sort of thing can happen. Um, But Beal has been at the top of everyone's Ben Simmons wish list for a long time for a reason. He's really, really good. he be a pretty dynamic player next to Joel. You'd have two of the best scores flat out on the planet playing off of each other. Um, he's 
a great shooter. He's going to stretch the defense out. So they'd get a lot out of him. And I certainly think that trade with both those guys going out next to Ben would elevate the Sixers title odds in the next year or two. Um, so it depends on how confident Daryl Morey is and the Sixers, you know, to win a championship this season or next season. I think that's inevitably what it comes down to. Um, he said in that radio interview we talked about briefly last podcast with Mike Missinelli that he thinks the Sixers have like 5% chance to win this year in just going off his past comments. If that's true, then I'm sure he's willing to be pretty aggressive if someone like like Beal is on the table, you know, a top 20, 25 Mm -hmm. player. So um, I just, I don't see how you recover from not having a point guard. You know what I mean? Like if you trade away Maxi. Beal, Seth, Furkan, Shake, they they have plenty of ball handling. I don't think that would be a huge issue. I mean, Beal is a dynamic playmaker. I guess you could, uh, it's just, yeah, I mean, either Beal, Seth, and Danny. Yeah, I think that's okay. Yeah, I mean, Curry's kind of actually been kind of good as a playmaker without us even realizing it this season. Kind of underrated. Maybe we need to write about that. Anyway, not the point right now. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a tough call. It's a big pill to swallow. Um, do you do it? Possibly. It just, I don't know. If it happens, I could talk myself into it. But if it if Maxi was the hang up on a deal not happening, I mean, he was the hang up why James Harden didn't happen, and James Harden's better than Bradley Beal. So, yeah, that's that. You know what? That's my reasoning. You should not do the deal if it's Bradley Beal and Maxi's the deal breaker. Because if you didn't do it for James Harden, you shouldn't do it for Bradley Beal. Because Bradley yeah. Beal's a lesser player than James Harden. Well, I. Sure, I, I, I don't, I, I don't think we really know what happened with James. It really does seem like Houston just didn't want to do a deal with Philly. Probably not. Like, I feel like if I, I don't feel like Maxi was really truly the big hang up there. I feel like they could have gotten Tyrese Maxi if they wanted him because that was when he was still playing fifteen minutes a night off the bench. I, yeah. I really don't buy that. Yeah. Well, anyway, point point is, is, is if that is the case, that's anyway. But let's go ahead and switch gears here again. We're going to go back to Joel here and how he's become even more of a leader in this locker room. Because after that disappointing loss against the Clippers, um, this is what Tyrese Maxey said about the loss. Um, Maxey said it hurts. Tobias and Joel walked around and said, we win together and we lose together. You know, he said that after the loss. Um, So showing yet another leadership quality off the court and in the locker room. Your, uh, Chris, what are your thoughts about Joel's development as a leader compared to where he was when he came in as a rookie? Yeah, it, I mean, Joel has never been the most natural leader, so it's it, it's pretty clear just from listening to the different guys talk that he's improved in that respect this year. Um, part of that is just leading by example. Like he's playing out of his mind and he's directing traffic on the court and put like telling guys where to go and making things happen. So I'm sure that bleeds into the locker room. Like he's by far this team's best player. He demands a certain amount of respect on that, on that basis. So um, yeah, I I think he's gotten a lot better this year at, at being vocal and kind of elevating his teammates. Um, you know, Tobias has always been a really good locker room guy. Even, you know, say what you want about his play, but he's he's a, a nice guy to have on your team. 
in that respect. Um, you know, Joel, Joel can be somewhat of a, a tough critic, not, you know, of his teammates. He, mm-hmm. He's not afraid to give people pointers and to tell them what they can do better. But I, I think that's a pretty positive leadership quality. Seems like the guys are taking that the right way. You listen to Tyrese, Matisse, guys like that. It it, it seems like Joel has really struck a chord with them. So I, I think it's been pretty really impressive. So I just want to say two things. One thing was an on-the-court event that happened tonight against the Spurs where it was the, I think it was the second quarter and Bede had the ball and and then he noticed that I think it was Quirk Maz and Charlie Brown where they needed to switch positions. So you see him literally tell them, all right, switch positions, because he knew that Embiid was going to find someone open. So as a result of him being vocal on the court, Quirk Maz got an open three and he nailed it. So as a leader on the court, understanding the game, Embiid has really elevated that aspect of his personality and just his overall leadership trait. Off the court, like like Chris said, he, he hasn't always been the most natural leader, a little bit immature. Remember, he didn't start playing basketball until he was like maybe 15 years old. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we're seeing an evolution of him in so many different ways. And it's fascinating. His passing has has been elevated. His his entire I think everything about him as a human being has has been enhanced. And I'm just proud. I'm, I'm proud of Embiid. I'm, I'm glad he's he's ours. And I really think he's has a legit chance of, of beating out Jokic for MVP. For sure. And, I, you know, you talk about his, him as a person growing in general is being a father. That changes your priorities. That changes your mindset and how you, you know, approach your job, your yep. Yep. your passions. Good and you know he i think we really started to see this after his son was born and we're seeing the maturation of it too and he's had a lot of good leaders in the locker room to draw on over the years you know jimmy butler for all of his bumps and bruises is a good leader especially in that miami heat culture uh jj reddick was a great leader you think of mike scott even though he's rough around the edges and god knows where he is now but he he had his leadership uh, you know moments as well dwight howard has somehow became a leader in the locker room for the Lakers in the past, maybe not this season, but in the past, um, you know, he he's had good leaders to draw on. So like, and Brett Brown, I mean, you can give Brett Brown, you know, slack here and there, but it, it, I don't think Brett Brown was a bad leader either. I think his voice got stale in the locker room, but that's different than being a bad leader. I would disagree. I think one, they're one and the same. If voice is not respected in a locker room, then they're not a good leader, in my opinion. I, do, I, I think part of that was the front office not giving him power. But anyway, that's not the point. Yeah. All right. Oh. Anyway, but let's go ahead and uh, Chris, I think it's time for us to switch gears again. All right. Let's talk about uh, DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, do we have boy. to? Chris, do we have boy, to? He would love. Do we have to? I think I think Chris would move to Philadelphia from Georgia, Lucas, if if we got Sabonis. I don't know about uh, that. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> there have been suggestions made on the internet by various high-ranking NBA writers. <laughs> Simmons, what? There have been suggestions made that Philly should explore trading Ben Simmons for Demontis Sabonis. We know the Pacers are a team that have interest in Simmons um Lucas how would it make you feel 
if the Sixers traded Ben Simmons for Demonis Sabonis. Okay. So it depends on the narrative behind the trade for me. If the narrative is, oh, Be- Sabonis is going to replace Simmons and we're going to be able to win with Sabonis, then I hate the trade. But if you tell me, okay, we're going to trade for Sabonis and then we're going to see if it works. If it doesn't work, fine. We'll flip him in the offseason. Then I can get behind that. that. That's the way I feel. But do I think it's a natural fit? No, I don't think it's a good fit. But if you buy me into the idea of flipping him later, sure, we can try that. That's fine with me. But trying to sell me on the fact that, oh, Sabonis and Joel Embiid is going to be the best tandem in the uh, four and five in the NBA, no. You're not going to get me to buy that, not even if it was free. Well, they'd definitely be the best four or five tandem in the league. Like, just on talent. No one's. But we're talking about fit. Yeah. Um, look, I, I do not want to trade Ben for Demonis. I just don't think that's the way to go with this team, especially if Tobias is still around. That's just going to be all sorts of weird. Um, oh, you mean like Al Horford all over again, only Sabonis isn't a three-point shooter? So, yeah, I Sabonis is much better than Al Horford was at that stage in his career, I think. Uh, but he's not as good of a shooter. No, but... I, I think my one problem with the we'll just flip him in the summer if it doesn't work thing is if it doesn't work, then that's just going to tank his trade value to a certain degree. I, I I don't think it's like the worst possible thing that could happen. I, I you know, yeah, the I'm bonus sure. is really good. Uh, with what Joel is doing right now, just skill-wise, I think those two could find ways to make it work. Tobias would be the real odd man out there. I Tobias would be th- holding up things much more than DeMontis, who's one of the best big man passers on the planet. He he can hit some threes, and, you know, Joel and him playing inside out, you could figure it out, I think. Um, but defensively, it's not super ideal. Tobias is still there, you know, like, a, you know. Sabonis can't guard fours. So... Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. like Sabonis has been playing next to Miles Turner. Joel can cover more ground. They they'd be okay, but but do you really want Joel on the perimeter chasing fours? No, I I don't think that's exactly what would happen. Miles Turner isn't on the perimeter chasing fours, you know. But I just uh, I don't um, like it. I, I agree. It's it's certainly not the ideal outcome. I think if you're trading with Indiana, you're probably. Third team. Flipping Sabonis to a third team and, you know, Sacramento, whatever. A lot of teams want Sabonis and a lot of teams should want Sabonis. You could argue Sabonis is a better player than Ben, but just in Philly, I, I just don't know if it quite works. Um, I, I I don't know if I could say that. I, 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 I wouldn't. I'd probably give the, the nod to Ben, but I, there, there's an argument to be made. I A lot of teams should probably want Sabonis more than Ben just based on the fit, but... um. You don't have to build your offense around Sabonis. You have to build your offense around Ben. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, like the Pacers are built around Sabonis. And you probably should. He's someone you can build an offense around. Uh, again, mm-hmm. He's like a, a really gifted playmaker and scorer. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to undersell Domas. He's like, it, at the worst, a top 40 NBA player. And really, really good. And no, he's probably the fourth best passing big man in the league behind uh, Jokic, Joel, and Bam. No, he, he's a – Joel's been great these past few games. Like, Domas 
is on a, a different level still, I'd say. I So hold up, hold up, hold up. Uh, side note here real quick. So are you saying Sabonis is the second best passing big man in the NBA? I don't know. I don't have like a list of big man passers. I, I mean, I, if I'm going off the top of my head, it, it's I think this season Joel has proven to be a, a the second best passer in terms of assists per game and turnovers per game. He's better than Sabonis in terms of assists. Sure, turnover but like risk. last season, Sabonis averaged seven assists a game. Like he's he's a pretty he's averaging a like half an assist more this season. So the numbers are down, but the Pacers are just the bad team and they're, it's a weird fit. And I, when he's like, like Sabonis is like a pretty preternatural talent as far as passing goes. I, Joel has certainly gotten better and he's putting himself in those conversations, but. Would you put ba- uh, Joel in front of Bam in terms of passing at this point? I, I don't know. I mean, they're just different players. You know what I mean? I, Passing is such a hard thing to quantify. Like, I'm going by my eye test right like now. Who's That's, getting the most assists? Who's? I'm going by my I eye think, test. I'm not doing the numbers. I'm. Just, I mean, I well, threw out numbers. Numbers thing. They're, like passing is a very broad skill. You know, it's not just like assists. So, okay, let me ask you this: Is who's a better passer, Chris Paul or Jokic? Uh, real questions. Yeah. Come on, man. The real questions. Come on. Who's, why are you really putting that out there? No, no. I mean, this season, not overall in their career, because the no, overall season, career. Have you seen some of the the plays that? I mean, I know Jokic had has some nice plays for a big man, but he can't do the passes that that Chris well, Paul does. Yeah, I don't know. Well, oh, listen, off the dribble, like no look stuff. Yeah. I, okay. I, Jokic I, has his his vision. He does have good court vision, but listen, let's go back to Embiid real quick. So I don't know anything about Bam out about it. I don't watch enough. Miami well, I basketball. just want to flip that around real quick. We all saw the game winner the other night against yeah. the Clippers, right? Yeah. yeah, that's a pass Chris Paul would never be able to make, and that's because Jokic is half a foot taller, a foot taller. <laughs> you know, he he can do things that Chris Paul can't, and yes, Chris Paul can do things that Jokic probably can't. They're different, and it's the same thing. It's like impossible to compare. But hold up, so so listen, so Embiid, right? Embiid. Is now I think he is now looking for his for his opportunity to pass more and he's something's clicking with him. I, I think he's taking this this Jokic stuff personally, and I think that's why he's yeah. passing more. Yeah, I think and so too. I think he wants this MVP more than anything. I think he could he could care less about Ben getting traded at this point because he just figures like, you know, I'm this is the ball, year I'm that he gets to out. the MVP. Yeah. I'm just gonna ball out. I'm gonna get MVP. And if 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 it's Jokic over me because he passes more, I'm gonna pass more. And we're now seeing Embiid add that to his game. Yeah. I, I, I think, yeah, you know what? Part of me, you know how superstars have that year that they're just chasing the MVP. They don't care about like if they win the title or not. They're chasing that MVP. That this be. is Joel's year for that. Yep. Yeah, be. I I mean Joel is very clearly a very competitive person. Uh, I think it might be a little bit oversimplifying it to say like he's passing more because of Jokic. Like, I mean, still he's Jokic is on a different plane of existence still as like a playmaker and someone who reads the floor. Oh yeah. Well, Jokic is the best passing big man of all time. He's already uh, passed uh, uh, DeMontis's dad. What is his uh, his You're name right. is Sabonis. Arvidas, thank you. Arvidas is a bonus. Thank you. Um, but my point is, is that, yeah, he's already the best passing big man in NBA history. 
and he's only been in the league for what, like since 2014. I I can't deny yeah. that. I agree. Yeah, but I I mean, they're they're different players. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Jokic is still doing stuff. Joel will never do. Joel's doing stuff. Jokic will never do. They're different athletes. They're. I don't know, Chris. I think Embiid could be as good a passer as Jokic because I well no. I think he could no. be. Why not? Why not? We've seen some passes the past two weeks that Jokic can make that Embiid is now making. He's looking to pass more guys. If if he's more I mean, aware, maybe, but like he's more aware like, and he's willing to take risks, Embiid's doing it. He's doing it. Don't talk me into this because Embiid I want to Embiid is getting better in every possible way. That but like I feel like we're doing a bit of a disservice to Jokic if we're like Embiid we? is getting there. Yes, I, I don't think like, it's a disservice. What do you mean disservice? I don't understand. We gotta that. watch Jokic. He's having 14, 15 assist games. Like I do watch him. Joel's just not there. And I'm yeah. just saying now that he's more aware of his ability and he's understand. It's, it's like Neo in or, the Matrix when Jokic Neo realized. Listen, man, when Neo realized what he could do with the bullets and slowing down time and all that. He did it. Now Embiid is in the matrix. He is controlling aspects to the game that people did not suspect he could do. I agree. But Jokic, to Lucas's point, is like literally one of the best passers of all time at this point. Uh, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Take away. You did say that. You did say that. You said he was the best big man. Like that's what we're watching. Like he sees the floor in a way. Like talk about being in the matrix. Jokic has been in the Matrix. It's not like that's Joe, true. You know what I mean? That's true. But Embiid is getting there, and he's going to catch him, and he's going to win MVP. Well, I don't think he's going to win an MVP by beating being a better passer than Jokic. He's going to win the MVP because one, his team is doing better. Two, um, he's scoring more. Mm-hmm. Three, three, he's better defensively. And Chris, I know you want to make the the argument. Oh well, Jokic isn't bad defensively. I'll give you. He's doing better this year. He gets more steals. He gets more steals and he's blocks. doing better. And he well, no, he's challenging shots a lot better than he used yeah, to. Yeah, but he I'll can't get... he can't protect the paint like an I, I I understand that. And I'm that's why I said seven days a week want... I'm taking a beat over him oh, guarding the yeah. paint. Chris, yeah, yeah, are yeah, you yeah, taking yeah, him yeah. to yes, guard the paint? Of course. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not check. stupid. You know, I'm... he Chris just doesn't just doesn't like us to say that Jokic is an average defender. It drives it drives. <laughs> he's you nuts, a good right? defender. Jokic isn't like he's he's above average. He's above average. Yeah. I will yeah. give you that he's above average. This Slightly season. above average. He's like Tobias last year. Slightly above average. Holy. Did you have to go and bring up Tobias tonight? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> you just ruined my night. <laughs> well, technically, we talked about him in the beginning. But, yeah. no. Um, but, no. Um, in all seriousness, um, Joel, my biggest concern about him do, playing this well th- at this point in the season I'm afraid of burnout. We we haven't seen him be able to dominate like this really for a long period of time. He had sprints of it last year, but you know, then he got injured and you know, I'm not saying that he will get injured again. But I I am saying and that was me knocking on wood by the way. I am saying I am afraid that he will have burnout in terms of like his production will take a step back at some point cuz he's never had to sustain it this long. That is my one concern about him trying to get this MVP is that he's going to have burnout season or in the postseason. He's twenty seven, not thirty seven, Lucas. Uh, but burnout. Come on, man. I mean, he's not that old. But he has. Well, I mean, granted, he's in the best conditioning of his life. But yeah. 
He's still a seven foot guy over two hundred and sixty pounds. No, if if you just if you just said he's in the best condition of his life, what does his weight matter or his height matter? He's he's playing at a top level, and I just think he's doing he's being asked to do too much, and I'm worried of nah. Chris. You get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, I mean, like there's always some level of concern with Joel's health. Um, I, I think he's clearly gotten better, like with conditioning and diet and stuff. But so, Lucas, you think because he's doing more, he's going to elevate his chances of getting hurt? Or you no, 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 I'm burn out with his. Well, I mean, regime? that's the case I, that, for every that, NBA player. The more no. they do, the likelier it is that they're going to. I, I wasn't saying injury. I was I was saying burnout, not he's injury. He's not going to get burnout, guys. Come on. He's 27, not 37. He's gotten burned out before in the past. That's all I'm saying. And he was younger back then. Yeah. No, I mean, he was sick. I think that Toronto series, he had like a stomach bug, and he, he burnt out. He was doing too much. But listen, the game is slowing down for him. Would you guys agree with that? It's slowing yeah, down. Yes. Yeah. So it, if, as long as he has that going and understanding, he, he paces himself. And I'm sure Doc will take him out. You know, well, I know early in the season they have some they had planned rest days for him anyway, so right. we might see some more of that in the future. And as long as he doesn't, you know, as long I'm as I'm assuring I'm assuming it won't be too many rest days, and he probably won't tell Doc say no, I don't want to rest, I want to keep on playing. I'm sure that's probably happened because we haven't seen any of those rest days since. So yeah, that's I mean that that's probably what's going to happen, but. At some point, um, yeah. I, I just hope they don't play him too much in the All-Star game. All right. Um, to all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to yet another week's episode of the Six Your Sense podcast. As always, please like, subscribe, and follow along wherever you can. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Audible. Or you can listen at our website, thesixersense.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Six Your Sense. And until later this week... Um, Have a good one, everyone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.